One of the other things that we always like to say that if you are here for the first time or you're watching on our YouTube channel for the first time and you do not have a home church, then we want to say to you, welcome home. All right, if you have your Bibles with you today, we are going to be in the book of Ecclesiastes. You think Ecclesiastes, I didn't make that up. That's a real book. All right, it's in the Old Testament uh, after the Song of Solomon. After Solomon, you see Psalms and Proverbs and Solomon and Ecclesiastes. So we're going to be in the book of Ecclesiastes today. All right. Uh, also, like Pastor Tito said on your program, you saw you got one of these as you came in. On the back of this program, the front are some things that's coming up. On the back is uh, how we keep up with our message notes here at New Life. You'll see some fill-in-the-blanks, so we're going to give you those fill-ins as we go throughout the message. So you can either write that down or just kind of take some notes. You can screenshot or take a picture of the screen as we go through the message notes. But let me ask you, um, how many of you in here love yard sales or garage sales? Yeah, come on. All right. We, we love those things, don't we? Um, for some reason, it's, it's crazy how we walk around our own house and we, we're constantly saying, I've got too much stuff. I need to get rid of some stuff. I need to purge my closet. I need to purge my garage. I look around, I've got way too much stuff, but I'm gonna go buy more junk at someone else's. I'm gonna go buy someone else's junk because I don't have their junk. They may have something that I've never seen before. I mean, I, and then we end up, Going and using our hard-earned money, even though we know that we need to get rid of some stuff, we go and use our hard-earned money to buy their junk, only to bring home and put beside our junk. And now we have even more junk, okay? Does this make sense to anyone? No, why we do this? But we do this because they might have something that I've been looking for all my life, all right? That's better than what I have. And you think, Jeremy, but it's so much fun. You know, it's, I can get stuff for a quarter. You know, I can get stuff for $2. And, and, and then you find those people that find those rare finds that, yeah, I bought this painting for $10 and it's worth $1.2 That's never me. All right. I would buy something for $10 and it's worth a dollar. All right. That, I'm, I'm the opposite. But I get it. I've done it. I've done those things too. And, and you're right. It is actually a lot of fun. Well, last week we kicked off this series, If Only. And we gave some examples of what we're talking about in this series by asking some questions. If only I had this, or making these statements. If only I had more money. If only I had a different spouse. If only I hadn't messed up my life. If only I could get past this struggle. Or if only I could beat this addiction. And then we mentioned several individuals in the Bible who had their own individual, their own personal, if only moments to show you that this is not just a 21st century issue that we are going through by saying, if only I had X. We said our if onlys reveal some of our, our deepest longings, some of our, our deepest regrets, and also some of our potential highest hopes, things that we wish we could change about our past that certainly would have allowed for a different present or a different today. So last week we said that if only I had better relationships and we learned that it's not about, it's, it's, it's not the right human relationship that our heart is actually crying out for, but rather the right relationship with Jesus. Remember we said that anything that we pursue more than Jesus is actually gonna leave us feeling empty. But a true, genuine, authentic relationship with Jesus fills us up. Remember the words of Jesus himself in John 10.10. 10, I have come to give you everything in abundance, more than you expect, 
life in its fullness until you overflow. So today let's unpack another, another if only, and it's on the topic of possessions. If I only had more possessions, if I only, if I only had better possessions, if I only had different possessions, then my life would be fulfilled, if only. Well, let me ask you, why, why do we chase stuff? Where does this impulse come from to desire and pursue those, those tangible things that we think are going to make us happy and fulfilled and satisfied and content? What is missing on the inside of us to the point where we can take a deep dive into our own personal lives and see all of the blessings that we have and still come to this conclusion, I don't have enough. I need more. I'm not satisfied with what I have, so I want more. I'm not content with what God has blessed me, so I need more. I need new. I need better. I need different. What is going on in our hearts when God's blessings are not enough? Why can't I be grateful for what I do have instead of always coveting and wanting what I do not have? So here's the big idea for today's message. Possessions will never give purpose, value, or worth the way Jesus can. They will never do that. In our Western culture, we're obsessed with this feeling of what else? Because I have a great running car that's paid off with no problems, but I want that car. I have a house that's more than enough, but I want that house. I have the iPhone the iPhone 14 that does everything I needed to do, but I've got to have the 15. I have a great, had a great time on my vacation, but now that I'm looking at Instagram and all my friends and what they're doing, I want their vacation. We have to have more. And so you have those who accumulate and accumulate, and then you have the hoarders, right? You've probably seen the TV show. That's a whole other level of possessions. And you think, well, I'm not that bad. You know, we automatically go to the comparison trap. I may have an issue, but I'm not that person. We've known for a few years now that hoarding is actually a mental condition. It could stem from uh, someone's uh, trauma from their past, maybe a mental illness or various other things. So we know it's a problem, and yet we give into this impulse to accumulate more and more and more. The latest study that just came out is one and 20 Americans now fall under the definition of hoarding. One in 20, coming out of the pandemic. And so what we see is that Americans have actually fallen back to the same mentality when we came out of the Great Depression. The stock market crashed in 1929 and all through the 30s, we went through the Great Depression and people were so afraid of losing things that they hoarded everything, they held on to everything. And now one in 20 Americans are back in that same mentality. But on a spiritual level, what are we really communicating to God when enough is not enough? What we're saying to God is the things with which you have blessed me are not enough. It's not good enough. I need more. I want my stuff and I want their stuff. I want to possess what they possess. And listen, this goes way beyond just the things we can touch, those tangible things that we can see and desire because, because each of us also possess giftings and talents, and skill sets, and abilities that not everyone in your circle of influence share. And we can also want those things just as badly. I don't talk street language like Pastor Tito. 
but I'd love to. That dude grew up, he grew up in the hood of Oakland. So sometimes he'll break off into some lingo. I'm like, I have no idea what you just said. He's like, oh, well, what that means is this and this. And I, I'm, he grew up in the hood of Oakland. I grew up in the hills of Tennessee, all right? So he speaks hood talk. I speak hill talk, all right? So he doesn't understand when I start breaking off into some Tennessee language either. I can't build a Harley Davidson out of tree bark and beaver skins like Brett, Pastor Brett, but it would be really cool. I'm just not MacGyver like that. I don't have the ability to quickly retain and recall information upon command, but it would be incredibly valuable for what I do as a pastor. I just don't, my brain doesn't think like that. But I do know exactly who God has created me to be. I know the skills and the talents that I do possess, and I know the abilities and the, uh, the, the gifts that I do not possess. And I have to be careful not to long for the ones that I do not have so that I can focus and appreciate and be grateful for the ones that I do have, the ones that God chooses to use in me and through me, not for my kingdom, but for his kingdom. You see, there's, there, there's a spiritual sickness and emptiness down deep on the inside of us when we look beyond our blessings and look at other ble- the blessings of others. And I believe when we do that, it actually grieves the heart of the Father that we're not grateful and appreciative for what he's done for us. We've talked about this before. Imagine giving and giving and giving to your children, but you hardly ever receive a thank you. There's little to no appreciation. It's never enough. There's barely a sense of gratitude along with this verbal or nonverbal cues and kind of finger pointing of, but I want that. We sound like a bunch of spoiled little brats, don't we? And it's even been proven that having more and more does not make us necessarily happier. It doesn't, it doesn't make us any, it doesn't give us a deeper sense of purpose or fulfillment or satisfaction just because we have more and more. There was a study done a few years ago that found that the pursuit of wealth and fame do not contribute to a happy and satisfying life. Rather, achieving goals like personal growth, having friends, helping others, that brought more satisfaction than attaining the quote-unquote American dream. I've sat and prayed with people during their final hours, either in hospice or in nursing homes or in the hospital, And I've never had one single person say to me, Pastor, I wish I would have worked more so I could have bought more stuff. Not one single one. The top two things that people say, and you can actually find this research done with with, with hospice organizations. The top two things that people say when they're about to leave, to go from this life to the next one, is number one, I wish I'd have spent more time with my family. And number two, believe it or not, I wish I would have taken more risks. That's number two. The Bible is filled with examples of people who pursued possessions and wealth and fame. And when they discovered the misery and the unsettledness and the discontent that they experienced, they realized that the true hope and the true joy that they were looking for in God was what they were really looking for. So today, I want to look at some warnings from the book of Ecclesiastes from King Solomon and then some truths from the New Testament around this topic of craving and desiring more possessions and see how that relates to us today. If only I had more stuff. So if you're taking notes this weekend, here's number one. Earthly possessions will never satisfy me. Earthly possessions will never satisfy me. Now, more than just talking about possessions, I really want to dive into this un- uncomfortable core of what this series is actually about. 
It's about gratitude, satisfaction, contentment, or the lack of, of any of those three. So we're going to pick up in chapter 5, Ecclesiastes chapter 5. We're going to start in verses 10, uh, uh, in verse 10, and we're going to go all the way down to 17 eventually through the message. But first, let's, do, uh, let's read through 10 and 11. Those who love money will never have enough. How meaningless to think that wealth brings true happiness. The more you have, the more people come to help you spend it. So what good is wealth except perhaps to watch it slip through your fingers? Listen, we are eternal beings. You and I were not just created for, for this life on this earth forever. And nothing temporary can fill the, fill the need that we have for the eternal. Because, and because we're eternal beings, our souls will always crave more. However, what we have to realize is that the, the more that we're craving is God. Because he is the only one who can ever satisfy the longing and the desires of our souls. Until we surrender and submit to the fact that our eternal souls are craving an eternal father, we'll constantly pursue stuff and things, like we said, even relationships, to fill that void in our heart that only God himself can fill. We see everyone's highlight reels on social media their latest purchase or their weekend experience or their vacations and their likes and their follows and their views. And we think, man, I want what they've got. If only I had more, if only I had more stuff. And Jesus is saying to us, no, if only you had more of me, then you would be fulfilled. What if we truly learned to appreciate and manage what God has given us? Because that's all, that's all we are anyway, our managers, God has commanded us to, to be stewards and managers with what he's given us. And instead of managing it well, we sometimes have the audacity to look at the creator of the universe and say, no, this isn't enough. What you've given me isn't enough. Listen to the song that King David wrote in Psalm 24. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all its people belong to him. It's all his anyways. Be satisfied and content with what God has blessed you because every single thing you own is temporary. It will not last. It will not satisfy. Earthly possessions will never satisfy you and they're not supposed to because we are an eternal being longing for an eternal heavenly father. You may say, well, Jeremy, how do I do that? How, how How do I find satisfaction in my soul? Well, think about it. What does it mean to be satisfied? Okay, what does it mean to just like be in this, 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 this place of oh, satisfaction? You think, uh, you know, when, when you're really thirsty and you throw back a tall glass of water, like, ah, oh, man, that hit the spot. That's exactly what I need. When it's 112 degrees and you're outside working in the yard, you come in and your house is a cool 70, your air conditioner's on, you walk in, you're just like, ah, oh, that's exactly what I needed. When it's nearing lunchtime and you're at work and you're so hungry, you're licking your arm just because you're, you're ready to warm up last night's dinner because you remember what you made last night. And, le- and when it's warmed up the next day, it's even better. And you're waiting for that clock to hit 12. And you finally eat and you're like, oh, man, I'm satisfied. If you're looking for that kind of satisfaction in your earthly possessions, you'll never get it. You'll never 
You'll never look at the things you have and like, ah, I've arrived. I'm so satisfied now with everything because you're always going to want to update the kitchen. There's always, uh, you'll always want to replace the outside furniture to get those new shoes, drive that new car, invest into that new crypto, or jump on that latest fad. Are any of those things wrong? No, none of those things are wrong. Absolutely not. But you will not find satisfaction in them. The satisfaction of your soul can only be filled with Jesus. And when you allow the Holy Spirit, when you allow Jesus to fill you with love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and self, gentleness, and self-control, the fruit of the Spirit, your soul goes, ah, now I'm satisfied. So number one, earthly possessions will not satisfy me. Here's number two, earthly possessions won't bring me peace. Earthly possessions won't bring me peace. Verse 12, people who work hard sleep well, whether they eat little or much, but the rich seldom get a good night's sleep. The mentality of wanting, puts, wanting more puts us in this mind frame of always needing to accumulate. The pursuit of stuff is all-consuming. We become like squirrels. We're just always gathering and collecting, gathering and collecting. It's never enough. We work more and more and more, more hours to make more money, to buy more stuff because there's this fear that we're not going to have enough. And it also kind of puts our hand up to God that says, I don't trust that you can take care of me. I think I need to do this myself. I need to work more and I need to accumulate more because there's this fear in me that you might not take care of me, Lord. But we have evidence. We have evidence that wealthy people are no happier nor do they necessarily feel any more secure than the rest of us. There's a survey done by Lincoln Financial Group that showed that among retirees that had saved $1 million for retirement, okay, among retirees that saved $1 million in retirement, 48% still worried they didn't have enough. Half still worried they didn't have enough. In fact, their top fears of the wealthy included being sued, Identity theft, asset protection, worrying about their kids. Number five, still keeping up with the Joneses. More than, almost half still worried about those things. Pastor and author Marty Duran says this, possessions should be tools for our hands, not idols for our hearts. Earthly possessions won't bring you peace, but Jesus will. Look what Jesus said himself in John 14. I am leaving you with a gift. Peace of mind and heart. Oh my God, how much do we crave to have peace of mind and peace in our heart? And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. Now to me, those words of Jesus sound like the opposite of stress, the opposite of fear, the opposite of worry. If only I had more possessions and stuff. No, no, if only I had more Jesus. More peace, not possessions. So earthly possessions will not bring me peace. Here's number three. Earthly possessions can bring me harm. Earthly possessions can bring me harm. Now, just to be clear, I'm not saying that all money, all wealth, all or, or having a lot of resources is sinful or wrong. Remember the context of this message, which is our tendency to not be satisfied or content or even grateful with the things or the possessions with, with, with which God has blessed us. Reading on in chapter, or verses 13 and 14. There is another serious problem I have under the sun. Hoarding riches harms the saver. 
Money is put into risky investments that turn sour and everything is lost. In the end, there is nothing left to pass on to one's children. We've all seen this, haven't we? Lottery winners never keep it. Within five years, they're bankrupt or their family's taken it all or they've, you know, they've, they've mismanaged it. And many of them even commit suicide. Celebrities are exploited. The market forces change. It's because too often we put our faith in our stuff instead of our Savior. And think about the rich young ruler that, that followed Jesus and basically tracked him down and said, hey, tell me, what, what do I have to do to become your follower? What do I have to do to, to obtain this eternal life? And Jesus, knew, knowing who was asking him this, said, oh, it's easy. Sell everything you've got, give it to the poor, then come follow me. Now, Jesus wasn't really asking him or commanding him to sell all, everything he had, give it to the poor, and come follow him. He was doing a heart check on this guy. Let me see where your heart is really connected. And it says that the rich young ruler hung his head, dejected, and walked away. And that's when Jesus said, listen, it's easier for a camel to get through the eye of a needle than it is for a rich man to get to heaven. Now, we think of like a needle needle, right? That's not what they're talking about. If you look back in, in, in history, uh, there, was a, there was a place that the camels would enter into the gate, and they called it the eye of the needle. And the camel had to get down on its knees and kind of crawl through there, and they had to unload the candle. So it was really difficult to do. And Jesus was saying, it's easier for that camel to get through there than it is for a rich man to get to heaven. And you see the example because this man just walked away. He wasn't even willing to entertain what Jesus was saying to him. Look what Solomon said about what could potentially happen to rich people. This is horrible. In verse 17, all their days they eat in darkness with great frustration, affliction, and anger. Coming up on Christmas, that sounds more like Ebenezer Scrooge, doesn't it? Followers of Jesus should hold on to our things loosely. We should hold on to our things gently and be content with the things we have because like we said, it's all his. It's all temporary. Look what the Apostle Paul said in his second letter to the church in Corinth, chapter 8. Of course, I don't mean your giving should make life easy for others and hard for yourselves. I only mean that there should be equality. Right now, you have plenty and can help those who are in, who are in need. Later, they will have plenty and can share with you when you need it. In this way, things will be equal. What does this mean? At different seasons of your life, you're going to experience abundance and you're going to experience need. And if we all hold our, position, our, our possessions loosely, we are free to help those in need, and then others are free to help us when we are in need. So if we're not paying attention, earthly possessions can bring us harm and keep us in bondage. Here's the last villain for the weekend. You can't take it with you. You cannot take it with you. Let's read Verses 15 and 16. We all come to the end of our lives as naked and empty-handed as on the day we were born. We can't take our riches with us. And this, too, is a very serious problem. People leave this world no better off than when they came. All their hard work is for nothing like working for the wind. You've heard me say this before, that in all the funerals that I've ever that I've ever presided over, of all the memorials that I've ever done, I've never, ever seen a U-Haul behind a hearse. Never. We can't take it with us. No matter how hard you work, it stays right here. 
You cannot take it with you. No matter how many hours you put in, no matter how many businesses you start, no matter how many employees you hire, no, no matter how many people you coach or develop or mentor, it all stays right here. All the money, all the possessions, all the houses, all the likes and follows and views, all the gifts and talents and abilities and skill sets that you have right now stays right here. You will come to your life as naked and empty-handed as the day you were born. And for what? Don't you want to leave a legacy? Don't you want to do and leave something that lasts? Don't you want to make an impact that goes beyond this earthly kingdom and makes a difference in the eternal kingdom? Because I know I do. When Andrew Carnegie, one of the richest persons to ever live, when he passed away, his family found one of his written goals in the desk of his office. And it was one that he had written when he first started all of his businesses. And they opened it up and this is what it read. Work the first half of my life making as much as I can. Work the second half of my life giving it away. And he almost did it. When Andrew Carnegie died, he had almost given away 90% of his wealth to charitable organizations around the world. Most of which that are still thriving to this day. You see, joyful generosity and cheerful giving is what reflects the heart of a gener generous and loving God. We have a generous and loving God, so we should not be a stingy and selfish and ungrateful people who are constantly saying, if only I had more. Instead, what if we changed our heart to a heart of obedience and generosity by saying, if only I could give more. If only I could surrender more. Look what the Apostle Paul said, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, and God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. This is my challenge to all of us this week. I think all of us should, we should ask ourselves several of these soul-searching questions that really digs down deep into the core of who we are, of what may be missing in our own life. To whom or what is my value connected? To whom or what is my worth connected? If you're not satisfied this weekend, ask yourself, why? Why am I searching for that kind of satisfaction? Why, what's missing in my life to the point that I believe I don't have enough? What's missing in my life that I believe I, I need more? What's, what's going on in my heart when God's blessings just aren't enough? Why can't I be grateful for what I do possess rather than what I do not possess? Because here's what I've discovered in my own personal journey with Jesus, that the more quality time I spend with Jesus, the less I feel I need. Why? Because because he's all we need. He sustains me, he fills me, he comforts me, he brings me peace and understanding beyond what I can ever comprehend. And I think about it in regards to my marriage. 
Jen and I have been married for, for 30 years. And because we tried very, very intently and very hard to never neglect spending a lot of time with each other, I know her needs before she thinks that she needs to tell me what they are. And I begin to try to fill that need in, in, the, con, in, in the confines of our marriage. Now, there's certain needs that Jana has and certain needs that I have that can only be, be filled by God. But when there's marital needs between us, we've spent so much intentional time with one another. We know what they are without even saying anything. And so the more time that we spend with God, the more time we won't have to sit and confess all of our needs to him because we know him and he knows us and he knows our needs. And that's why Paul says, my God will supply all your needs. So again, earthly possessions will never satisfy me. Earthly possessions will not bring me peace. Earthly possessions can potentially bring me harm and I can't take it with me. So what am I gonna do? What legacy am I gonna leave? What impact am I gonna make in the kingdom beyond this earth? Now, your kingdom come. Now, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let's learn to be grateful. Let's learn to be satisfied with what God has given us. Don't forget the big idea again. Possessions will never give purpose, value, or worth the way Jesus can. Will you bow your heads? Heavenly Father, help us to, that when we get in that, that mentality of being discontent, being dissatisfied, wanting more, let us realize, God, in that moment that what we're craving is you. What we're craving is more of you in our life because you are the only one that can fill those missing pieces in our life. It's not in stuff. It's not in possessions. But it's in you. Lord, we want our souls to be so filled to where our souls let out a big, ah, we're satisfied. And that can only be found in you. Help us to not pursue things, but help us pursue you. Lord, we know it's, it's not wrong to have wealth. It's not wrong to, to have things. And Lord, those are blessings in our life, Lord, but never let us attach our identity and our worth and our value to those things. Help us keep our worth and our value and our identity attached to you. Thank you, Jesus for this message. Thank you for what it did for me personally. Thank you for what the impact that you're, you're having, Lord, and on everyone in this room right now. Father, we just pray that as we go out, Lord, we will ask ourselves some of these really soul-searching questions about what's missing, what's going on in my heart that I'm trying to replace that void with things instead of you. We love you this morning. Go with us, Lord. Go with us. Watch over us. Keep us safe, Lord. I pray a blessing. In a prayer over everyone in here, Lord, I bless everyone's family. I, I bless uh, their health, bless their finances. I bless their marriages and their children. And Father, bring us back again next week, ready to learn and grow and develop into becoming exactly who you created us to be. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.